Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. You're listening to The Resurrection of the Church. My name is Kent Hunter. I am a church consultant and author. I have founded the ministry called Church Doctor Ministries, and we're in our second installment, which is about the decline of churches. Not everybody's favorite topic, but we need to deal with reality. And so here we go. In the last installment, of course, we talked about clutter in the church. People are busy at the church, but not productive. They're focused on all the stuff that never contributes to reaching lost people for Jesus Christ, the people Jesus died for. They're not focused or trained or busy in the area of making disciples once people become Christians. So uh, in this session now, we'll focus on uh, the inevitable results of some of that busyness and loss of purpose. We will look at the decline of churches. One of the things you have to understand is that in the history of Christianity, in every part of the world where there has been a Christian movement, there are steps in the road that churches tend to travel. They don't have to go this way. Some churches experience what we'll talk about as we continue in this series. Some churches experience renewal. We've worked with a lot of churches that are in a three-year renewal ministry called Healthy Churches Thrive that have begun to energize people in renewal. So at any of these stages, a church, a local church, has the potential to be renewed. This is, uh, of course not just about a church as a group of people, but it begins with people who are in renewal. Again, I want to make clear these aren't bad people. They aren't intentionally there to disrupt and kill the church. They're not hypocrites. They're not all the bad things we might want to call them. These are good people. It might be people you know. It might include you. People that love the Lord, love their church, but just have slipped into another stage where things aren't working so well, and now the trajectory is toward death. Every person who has been out of their neighborhood probably knows of a church that has closed. The church has died. The church has run out of people. The last old person was buried. And sadly, there are a lot of those today, not to discourage us, though, but to get our attention because God has great plans for the church. Let's look at the stages in stage one. When you look at the profile of a church that's in stage one, you see a church that has people who have a clear vision. Of course, it starts with the leaders, but it also includes other people that are uh, in the church. It won't probably come from the most quiet person in the church, but probably has to be a tone that is set by the leaders. There's that clear vision, direction. People say, yeah, I know where we're going. We have a destiny. We have a direction. We have goals and objectives, and we're working toward those ends. They frame and they define what we do and how we do it. This goes with what we talked about in our first installment, 
the purpose of the church. They have a clear purpose of the church, and they understand it. Now, interestingly, we see stage one very clearly in many new church starts. When a church is just a beginning, that can be a group of people that come together from an established church and go to a new area to start a new church. Think about it. They wouldn't do that if they didn't have some kind of a vision or clearly understand the purpose of the church. So we see this in those churches that are brand new. Sometimes a missionary will be supported by people. Uh, I know of one right now in a place called Indian River, Michigan, where a young adult that we have been discipling is now leading a team of other young adults training to be missionaries to America, so to speak. No matter what their occupation, they'll be mission-minded the rest of their lives. And this church in this uh, small little city in Michigan is in the early stage. There's a a missionary-type pastor there. He's not from another country, that kind of missionary, but he's got missionary thinking. He's a a church pastor who, uh, along with his wife, have a vision and a direction and an energy for reaching that community. After all, they don't get more members. They'll never be able to go to the next level. Right now, they're renting a school, and they would like someday to have a facility of their own or have more staff. They can't do any of that. They are subsidized by a network of churches, and they've got to get the purpose. They've got to have the vision, and they need to keep the vision, and they need to work toward the vision, or that subsidy is going to be taken away. And that's the kind of thing that you see in stage one. You see energy for action. You see all hands on deck. And maybe you've been a part of a church like that at one time. Maybe you are now. If you are, celebrate, because... That's a really fun time to be a part of a church. And it would be great if every church could stay in stage one, but it doesn't usually happen. However, I want to be quick to add that any church can go back to stage one, and that's what renewal is all about. And we'll cover some of that as we continue through this series. Well, stage number two is all about success, if I may use that word, not like in business or money or net worth or anything like that, but effectiveness in the sense that the church grows. During the growth time of a church, when you meet a, a what we call a tipping point and move forward and people are bringing people and there's a certain excitement, a contagious spirit, a contagious magnetism, People are so excited about whatever's going on at the church, new people coming to Christ, being baptized. Anybody with just half a brain toward Christianity would be very excited about that. No matter how much training, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a divinity student to be excited about people coming forward and confessing faith in Christ by baptism and being uh, invited into the church membership or whatever they call it. And so that sort of fuels the excitement. And so as people come streaming in, there's that feeling of God is at work. God is alive. God can do it. He can do it in our nation. He can do it in our time in history. He can do it in our church. And that just fuels the fire. Now, I want to stop here for a minute and unpack a little caveat to stage two. 
a little rabbit trail here, if you don't mind. I want to talk a little bit about some churches that are in stage two, or at least appear to be. And by saying that, this is uh, what I want to talk about. And I want to start by talking about the perspective of many people, maybe you, who are in plateaued or declining churches. I've heard so many times in churches that we consult that are of some kind of a denomination. Uh, they're not all of a denomination, but let's say just those that are some kind of denomination. And lo and behold, uh, especially in these days, there's some young startup non-denominational church down the road someplace or over the hill. And they're nearby and they're the talk of the town or the city or the area of your city. Everybody knows they're booming. They're growing. They're building on. They're adding on. Seems like every other year, everybody's happy and excited. They go to that church. They're telling everybody about it. And it is the news story of Christianity in your area. You know what? We rejoice. I don't care whether a church is denominational or non-denominational. If they're Bible-believing Christians, they're doing a great work for God, and we should all celebrate and guard against any kind of jealousy that we might have about a growing church. We should applaud, as all of heaven applauds, a church that is reaching people for Jesus. What happens, though, in a plateau or declining church is inevitably we'll get someone say to us as consultants, if our church was non-denominational, would it grow? Do we need just to lose the label, get it off our sign, off our stationery? Do we need to just bail out of the denomination? And I just want to tell you that that's not the issue. That's not what's happening at the non-denominational church down the road that's exploding with growth. One of the things that we want to ask always about any growing church, non-denominational or otherwise, if it's really growing, we need to be diagnosticians and ask the very important question is, how is it growing? Because there's a couple of ways to grow a church these days, and usually it's a mixture of both ways. But sometimes it's dominated not by just the first way, people coming to Christ who are previously non-Christians or have lapsed from Christianity for years, maybe decades, and are coming back to God. But the second one is sometimes churches are attracting people from other churches, particularly as churches grow and get larger. They have more programs. They have awesome worship because they can afford a whole worship team up there and they're really good and they've got a new building that has all the bells and whistles of modern technology that the churches that are older have to retrofit it would cost them a fortune they have enough people that they can have a dynamite nursery and sunday school all those kind of things and sometimes people make the decision to hop over to the other church now that's not really christian growth that's not kingdom growth. It is the growth of a church. And sometimes there are valid reasons for them growing in that way. Sometimes those people need a nursery or they're not going to go to church. And because of a smaller declining church, an older church doesn't have a nursery. These people are going to go to church over there, which is a good thing. 
sometimes it's just all the glitz and glamour and the hype that goes with a growing church. So we want to think about how is the church growing and is it really something that all of heaven is celebrating about? Is it really unchurched people and those who really do come closer to God in that church rather than their previous church? Or are they just attracting people and mainly they're people that used to go to other churches and now that previous church is beginning to show signs of decline. And yes, many times those are non-denominational or independent churches. I think about a church in a suburban area of Phoenix right now. I won't say the name, but it's a young startup church in the last 12 months, growing very rapidly and pulling people from other churches. Again, I don't know whether that's a good pull or one that's just following the glitz and the excitement, but nevertheless, it's happening. But I've noticed something about this church. If you drive around that area, they are really, really, really good at putting up signs. They have signs like you put in the lawn, you know, like at a political time, vote for so-and-so. They have the name of their church there and where it is. They have signs in uh, stores where apparently some of their people own the store. It's just everywhere you look, very visible that way. Uh, but later on, we're going to talk about the whole strategy of y'all come, uh, the same strategy of uh, business, you know, market whatever you're selling and you're going to have sales. Market your church and you're going to get people. But guess what? That is a beginning of an end to the next stage, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But back to our discussion about these churches. Consider they are growing because as a new church, they don't have all the clutter, which is very likely. Non-denominational or independent churches don't have the clutter of their denomination, all the rules and regulations that tend to pile one upon another year after year, decade after decade, and even in centuries, the clutter gets deeper and deeper and does have an impact on the old church to be able to escape that clutter they don't have to fight the people that cling to tradition. And so they can move forward if they are clear and focused about mission. If someone in your church is attracted to that new church down the road, but they're traditionalists and they go there and that's not a traditional church, pastor of that church and the leaders of that church don't have to fight with these people to continue to have their contemporary worship service. Those people can either come and not come back, or they can get used to it. But if you do that in your church, these people are going to complain. It's not what they're used to. So the new church, the new church start always has an advantage like that in stage two. And so they don't have the clutter. They're more focused. They don't have to deal with the traditional people complaining. And so this is the stage of success, we can call it. The other thing is that a new church often has an entrepreneurial pastor, a go-getter, a guy or a gal who is willing to step out in faith and do the impossible. Otherwise, they wouldn't be starting a new church from scratch. Make sense? All right, stage three. This stage occurs in every church sooner or later unless you process through renewal. It is the subtle drift stage from mission to maintenance, from a living body of Christ to an institution, 
from a go-to-the-world mentality to a you-all-come mentality, from a Great Commission goal mentality to a country club mentality. And so the firm mission and focus on that outreach turns to clutter. One program after another, people get tired, and that's a transition stage. Stage three, the subtle drift stage. You can bank on it. It's going to happen if you don't continually focus on renewal. That leads to stage four, which is where 90% of the churches in America are presently staged, plateau, or decline. Up to 90% of the churches in the U.S. are in this situation, and they're growing at a slower rate than their community. This is research conducted by my friend Tom Rayner, and he's written about it in his book, I Am a Church Member, a good book. His research was done between 2004 and 2010. It included several hundred churches, and it's a good research study. Rayner also reports something very interesting from his research. He says that while millennials are the largest generation in America's history, only 15% are Christians by their own admission. Why would that be with these young postmodern millennials? Uh, Tom Rayner believes there is a, a real issue in that church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the church as the body of Christ. And so they get stalled into old ways of doing things. And when a millennial looks at a church like that, they just feel like the church is old and out of date. So maybe God is old and out of date. They wouldn't say that. They don't even think it directly. But subconsciously, yeah, it's crippling a lot of churches in America to reach that generation. Our own independent research at Church Sector Ministries began 15 years ago, and our conclusion is very similar to uh, the conclusion of Tom Rayner's. But we express it a little bit differently. Our view is that what happens in that understanding of what it means to be part of the Church of God, the Christian Church, that our way of expressing this is that Christians have drifted from what we call kingdom culture. And I've reported that in my book, Who Broke My Church? And that kingdom culture includes five elements. And, and basically, this is what Jesus did with his first disciples. He built within them kingdom culture. Uh, you'll remember, he started all these parables, all these stories, teaching moments with his followers, where he started out, the kingdom of God is like this and like that. And he basically taught them kingdom culture. He occasionally said, my kingdom is not like the kingdom of the world. Well, the drift that we talk about as we look at churches is drift that moves into the culture of the world and away from kingdom culture. And that culture, if you break it down in the five elements, includes number one, values. That's what you consider to be important. Number two, beliefs, what your real life demonstrates you really believe. Uh, number three, your attitudes. That's your posture toward God. Number four, your priorities, what you will always do first, what's going to be done as a priority. And number five, your worldviews, the way you understand your world and the world of the church and the way you act and operate within that worldview. And so we have the decline of the Christian church, the Christian faith, 
and it has produced a generation of people literally without a compass, without a kingdom compass, without kingdom direction. You know, really, there are two kinds of compasses, one that goes around in circles and one that points the way. Well, there are two kinds of churches. There are churches caught in secular kingdom culture drift or what Tom Rainer would call have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be church. And there are those who are on mission, understand the mission, are clearly people that get what Jesus had in mind about church and his mission and have done whatever to remove any clutter that has gotten in the way or that has taken some of those things that are clutter and tweaked them in a way that will reach people for Jesus Christ and make disciples in those same programs that without those objectives and that clarity of mission are just clutter and become roadblocks to the future of that church. Yeah, the church is somewhat complicated, but that's all right. Any Christians can experience renewal. And so here we are in a nation where a lot of churches have missed renewal. And so there is no revival, but it can happen. It can happen in your church. It can happen in American culture. Even though American culture is unraveling, it's not a political issue that we face. At the very heart of everything, it's a spiritual issue. And we're going to discuss more in our next uh, installment, uh, which is the church's lack of clearly understanding that the time is very ripe. The harvest is really ready. Until next time, I'm Ken Hunter from Church Doctor Ministries. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Also, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, please check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, in stores on September 12, 2017.